we can't all be Liam Neeson, so you'd better keep a close eye on your kids before someone takes them. This is Darkness Prevails, the channel where I read your true stories with the world, because this world is a strange one. Today, we're looking at terrifying true stories from those who have nearly been kidnapped. You never know whose eyes are on you and what they might want to do to you. And when you're taken, you don't know what your fate will be. Enjoy these allegedly true, almost kidnapped stories. And remember, you can use the links in the description to send us your true scary stories. Number one. Were we almost kidnapped? Submitted by Anonymous. This story took place four years ago. I've always been slightly paranoid. I was tiny back then though, so maybe it made sense. I was four foot nine, and all I wanted to do was read my books. I remember this taking place on a Sunday afternoon, because on Sundays and Saturdays, at least in Indiana, the library closes earlier. The library that I went to also had a cul-de-sac-like parking lot. There was an area where you could drive up to the front door of the library. Basically, there was only one way in and one way out. This is all very important information. So it was a Sunday afternoon, around 1 p.m., and church had let out a while ago. We were on our way to get some lunch when my mom's best friend called over to spend some time with her. But the look on my mom's face meant she wanted to say no or even maybe return us home first. And I just remembered that I had a school project to print some stuff for or something like that, but it was due the following day. Having the perfect plan, my mom decided that she could drop off my brother and I at the library as it was pretty close to her friend's house. Before dropping us off, she said she'd pick us up at closing time. Although we'd never been to that library before, it was honestly pretty fun. My brother scanned through the picture books as fast as he could, seemingly never getting enough of it. While I worked on my project a little bit, while being a little distracted by all the books that I wanted to check out. Around 10 minutes before five in the afternoon, the librarians began to really push people out the door. It was okay with my bro and I. It was a nice summer day after all, and we expected our mom to return pretty soon. Eventually, five o'clock rolled around, but my mom was nowhere to be seen. And back then, mom thought we were too young to have phones, so we had no way to contact her to let her know we were ready to be picked up. And plus, the doors were locked, so we couldn't go back in and use a phone or send an email, which is understandable, I guess. Knowing my mother, I should have contacted her before the library closed. Anyway, we were waiting for our mom when this old lady pulled up in this white utility van with six to eight black tinted windows. The windows were so dark that we couldn't see inside them at all. I remember the woman having white or gray hair that was extremely thin, but she wore a warm smile on her face as she rolled down the dark window. The van was faced towards the end of the loop. Honestly, I was never scared of her until after we declined her offer for a ride. After we said no, her smile seemed to waver 
and go flat. She seemed to get slightly more aggressive and creepy as she asked for our names, ages, how far we lived from there. And again, she insisted that we ride with her. I can still recall the whisper argument that my brother and had right in front of her due to him mentioning our actual ages and a general idea of how far our mom was. He wasn't supposed to say those things, but it was too late. He later cleared with me that he thought that she was one of the librarians, so he thought it was safe. So there we were, arguing quietly in front of this woman who was trying to talk us into getting inside her van when I noticed a slight movement in the back of her vehicle. Now my paranoia went into full swing. I was holding a bag of books, which now I clutched tighter than before, prepared to go out on a full swinging frenzy because unlike my brother, who was this big, tall, and broad guy, I'd probably need an equalizer. Luckily, before anything else happened, I saw my mom coming towards the cul-de-sac-like entrance. We gleefully told this to the woman, whose smile instantly faded. She rolled up the window, at the same time peeling out with her van out of the parking lot. I'd never seen anyone drive so fast but I guess that's what happens when you're guilty of something and you don't want people seeing your license plate. She was so reckless in her driving that she almost hit our mother's car. When we hurriedly got back in our car, we quickly told our mom what had just happened. She seemed worried, but in the end, we all just let it go. It could have been a stupid move, but she didn't really do any harm, nor did we have her plate number. Fortunately, nothing like this has occurred again, but I'm afraid that since we didn't report this story to anyone, not even the authorities, that that woman may have tried this on someone else and she may have been successful. Number two, close to being a kidnapper's victim. Submitted by Eve P. I was 11 years old when this took place. It's been a year since this incident has happened. At 11, I didn't really look 11. I was taller than the average girl my age. I had blonde hair and blue eyes, and whether I liked it or not, I was already developing, if you catch my drift. At the time, I believed myself to be ugly and unappealing. Even still, I had people looking at me wherever I went. For the longest time, I thought it was because I was ugly. I'd been gone for a short two-day holiday in Cleethorpes. It was a little getaway for my dad, as he was feeling quite bad. He has quite a physical job, plastering and damp-roofing, where he swallows lots of dust, so it gets in his lungs. Sometimes he has breathing problems, so he really needed a break. In result of this, he thought a bit of fresh sea air would do his lungs some good. It was our second night away when we set off to go to the local amusements, not too far from our hotel. I'd just like to clarify that I'm one of those people who walk ahead of my family members. Not to be nasty, just that I'm a fast walker so I can get to places sooner. I can be pretty anxious or excitable. We soon arrived at one of the arcades that was our favorite. It was a good one, not too busy at all as it was April, and the kids weren't off on a school holiday, 
but it was the weekend. I started filling up my bucket with coins as I caught the glimpse of a foreign man in his late 40s eyeing me up and down. Quickly, I dismissed this and went back to my slot machine so I could win one of those crappy toys that you spend all your time and money trying to get, only for it to be stuck. Luckily for me, I'd won it quite quickly. Thanks to going to Cleethorpe's every couple of months to see my grandma, she used to have a caravan there, so I was quite the master at these machines. Anyway, I asked my dad if I could leave the area to go to my favorite Zingy Bingo machines, and he gave me the go-ahead. I sat down on one of the many dead spinning stools and popped my first pound into the machine. Before I knew it, I'd won nine pounds and was up by six pounds. When I'd finished my fourth game, I turned around on my stool to go excitedly tell my dad of my win. My mom was currently trying to find a toilet in all of this, by the way. The one in the amusements had stopped working, so we didn't see her again for another half hour. In the corner of the room, peeping from behind one of the other slot machines, I saw the same man as before, and straight away, I became uncomfortable. Sure, I had my crappy Nokia phone on me, but the thought of someone constantly staring at me it filled me with dread at the pit of my stomach. We were all alone in that area, the two of us, and the slot machine place was quite big, so it would be a good five minutes to find my dad. I didn't want to go away because it would seem like I noticed him. It would look like I thought he creeped me out and I had to leave, so instead I stayed there, toughed it out, and put another pound into the machine. After nervously failing the next game, I peered around my shoulder to see if he was in the same corner. He wasn't. I sighed with relief. However, behind me were two teenage girls, around 18 to 19 years old. They were standing where the man used to be. They seemed to be whispering to someone I couldn't see, and they nodded, then walked my way. They said, hi. And surprised, I asked them, is everything okay? Yes, the first one said, emotionless. We're just wondering if you're on your own. My cheeks turned a pale white as I scanned around the area for any members of my family. I'd kept looking and couldn't find anyone. As if my prayers were answered, I saw the back of my dad's head appear a few yards away. Yes, I stuttered. My dad's just over there. As I called out to my dad, saying hi, the girls glanced in his direction. I jumped down from my stool. The second girl said, oh, okay, it doesn't matter. They both did a very obvious fake and forced laugh as they scurried off back behind a quite secluded area. I climbed and stood onto my stool sneakily and watched them as they went and joined the creepy man from before, informing them of what I assume was unfortunate news. Then the man looked back at me with a scowl. He looked frustrated and disappointed. Then he stormed out, followed by the two girls. I ran to my parents and told them of what happened. I tried to make myself believe that they were just making sure I was safe, but it just wasn't working. I know what they were up to. 
They were making sure no one was watching because they had a plan for me. Something tells me they wanted to take me and that I narrowly dodged never being able to see my family again. Ugh, I haven't been back to the Cleethorpe since. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Number 3. The Middle School Creeper Submitted by Kia O. I live in a very small town, and stuff like this rarely happens, but when it does, it scares you for life. When I was in the ninth grade, my group of friends and I had a late night summer get together for the last month left of summer, right before school started again. We wanted to go out with a bang. The way the house we were at was set up was pretty weird. The right side and the front of the house are actually the backyard, and the left side of the house was the driveway. The back of the house was where the roads were. There was another house basically in their yard to the right. Also right across her yard, there is another house. Since it was designed this way, the only way you'd be able to tell exactly what was happening was if you walked over towards the windows and kind of moved to the right so that you could see the storage buildings and sheds. The music was playing from the storage rooms and there was a bonfire in the middle of the yard, closer to the neighbor's house than the house we were actually partying at. And across the road was a park. Anyway, as it was super cold anywhere but two inches from the fire, we decided to head inside until we gained some body heat back. This was one of the main things we did at this party, if I am going to be honest. We weren't outside as much as we planned on being. So the hostess, let's call her Trinity, and her best friend Sandy, yelled into the rambunctious kitchen, letting us know that they would be at the park. We roasted some marshmallows, laughed, and ate some hot dogs together, enjoying our time and not really noticing that they were gone. Eventually, one of us asked, where's Trinity and Sandy? Panic filled our eyes. We couldn't help but believe the worst as we searched for them. We looked in Trinity's room, the bathroom, the storage room, around the bonfire outside, and we even went over to Sandy's house, and they were nowhere to be found. 
brainstorming what to do before we told her dad, I thought about going to the park. As a group of 10, we ran as fast as we could over there. We saw Trinity coming towards us, and immediately I think we were all relieved. Guys, get down! Trinity yelled towards us. We were taken by surprise, but we did as she said. We all got down on our stomachs in the sand no time, and we could tell she was scared for her life. She was crying. She explained to us that a blue Chevy Cruze drove past them while they were walking down the boardwalk. The car didn't just drive past, it stopped, then backed up towards them. We told her that it was probably some creepy coincidence or some friend pranking us. We convinced them to stand up, brush their clothes off, and try walking back to the house. As soon as we stood up, we saw the car she had been talking about. They were waiting there by the boardwalk. He drove into the parking lot, which was right next to where we were. While he was parked, we saw the man's face. He was at least 45 years old. He looked stronger than us, being kids, and like he meant business. Living in such a small town, you usually know everyone and everyone's cousin, but we'd never seen the man in our lives. We ran as fast as we could down the road. Half of us went down Sandy's road, and the other half ran past the man, knowing he couldn't kidnap us all. But with my luck, he began to follow my group. No matter how fast we ran, he was easily gaining on us in his car. So when we got to Sandy's neighbor's house, we ran around and hid there. We watched him slowly pass by, looking for us. Luckily, it was pretty dark. He didn't seem to see us. He turned around in one of the other neighbor's driveways, then went to look for the other kids. Once he was gone, we ran quickly, cutting across Sandy's yard and going to Trinity's. That wasn't even the creepiest part. When we all finally got back to the house, we sat on the porch and watched out for him. He parked in the neighbor's yard, knocked on their door and asked them about us. He even pointed us out. We sat in horror and sent Trinity to go to her dad. But as soon as her dad walked out, the man drove away. So her dad didn't think much of it, but he believed us, telling us to just stay in the yard. He also said he was going back to bed and to wake him up if anything more happened. We said okay and then went back to the fire. This grown man waited until the adult went back in the house and then we saw his car again, driving around three miles per hour past the house, staring at us. To this day, we don't know who he was or how he knew where we were but we'd seen him drive past our houses, bus stops, and parks time after time. He wasn't even part of our community, but we kept seeing him, and we kept seeing him look at us. Not too long after, someone in the same type of car and the same color apparently tried to get my cousin and her friend to get in his car as they were walking home from the store. Stay alert, and if anything happens, report it immediately and don't go out alone. Remember, always say no to strangers. Number four, The Gypsy Woman of Edinburgh, submitted by David Mark Hoves. 
This event took place some 20 years ago in Edinburgh, Scotland, UK. I won't say on which day or year as the exact date eludes me, and I don't fully recall every detail, as most of it had been told to me by my mother. You see, I was only three or four years old at the time, but I will include what little I actually recall. It was during the summer. Me and my little brother had just finished our lunch. We decided to go outside and play in the park, which was just next to our house. I should add here that our parents never used to watch over us as the park was so close. All they really had to do was look out the living room window if they needed to check on us. In hindsight, I wish they'd watched over us better. I wish they were at the park with us, keeping a watchful eye out and not just sitting in the house. Anyway, me and my little brother decided to play on the slides. So I'd sit him on my lap and go down one of the slides, hugging him and keeping him safe. He was only a year and two months younger than me and he still needed help with some of the things he wanted to do at that age. By the fourth or fifth time we went down the slide, a group of older kids came over and demanded that we get off the slide. Seeing the obvious disadvantage between our sizes, I decided for my brother's safety, it'd be better to just give in. Besides, we could just go play on the roundabout. Now I must remind you, I was only three or four when this happened, so I was very trusting of all adults and very, very unaware of the dangers strangers could pose, let alone about the rumors of gypsies and kidnappings. Those were the creepy things that I would later learn. It was as me and my brother reluctantly walked over to the roundabout to play that an old woman, who looked to be in her 60s or 70s, came over to us. Now, what happened next is what little I recall of the event. The woman had long gray and ginger hair braided to a neat ponytail at the back. I recall she had a ton of rubber bracelets that were orange and red and black and blue. It was only later that I learned that these bracelets were symbols of different sexual acts. I don't know if that's what they meant to her, but if it did, that'd be even creepier. Being a stupid little kid, I asked her if I could have one of the orange bracelets. I remember thinking they looked so pretty. I never said I was a smart child. The woman replied sweetly, of course you can, sweetheart. I've got tons of them. I can always show you if you like. I have thousands more of them you can have over at my house. It's just around the corner. I can take you to see them. I looked at my brother and told him to stay there and that I would grab him some bracelets too. I then said to the lady that I'd just go and tell my dad I was going to pop over to her friend's house around the corner. This seemed to unnerve her and she said, oh, don't worry, it'll be fine. Again, it's just around the corner. It won't take five minutes, honestly. They won't even notice you're gone. I 100% believed and trusted her I started to walk off with this old lady as a younger woman in her mid-twenties with long, unkempt ginger hair began to beckon me and my brother over. It was just about this time when my dad, an ex-military man, came out of the house in his green army shirt and camo trousers with our rescue dog. 
He picked me up and my brother and took us back to the house. I remember him saying, it's time for tea, boys. We better hurry or it'll get cold. We've got square sausage and mash. It's only now as an adult that I realized this was my dad's way of forcing us back to the house without scaring us. As a kid, my favorite food was square sausages and mash, so of course I'd choose that over some tacky rubber bands. Later on, when my family moved to England to be closer to our extended family, I learned the rumors that gypsies would steal children and either ransom them off or raise them as their own. Now that I'm older and I'm an uncle and have a two-year-old nephew, I truly do realize just how badly that event could have gone down. I only hope for the safety of children everywhere that those women are now in jail, rotting, or getting the punishment they deserve. The thought of how sweet and giving those women were, it still haunts me to this day. It was so easy to believe and trust her when I'm sure she had the worst in mind for me. And number five, a certified nursing assistant's creepy experience, submitted by Kathleen. About four years ago, I began working my first job as a certified nursing assistant at a nursing home in my small town of Rocky Mount, Virginia. I was very excited to start there, especially since I loved taking care of people and because I was finally going to be making my own money. I usually worked 3 p.m. to 11 p.m., but on this night in particular, one other aide and I had to stay until 12.30 because coincidentally, the two aides coming in behind us were both going to be late. So she and I weren't in much of a hurry to get our usual things done for the night. A lot of spooky things would happen at night. I know because I used to get mandated a lot to work 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. due to being short-staffed so often. Sometimes I'd see shadows, call lights going off in rooms that were unoccupied, or in rooms where someone had just passed away. And sometimes, I swear, the hallways were filled with whispering. On this night, though, something terrified me that wasn't so paranormal. On my first day of orientation, which was about three months prior to this happening, an aide warned me to never go outside in the back alone to dump the trash. Unfortunately, one of our duties as second and third shift CNAs was to take out the trash, as we didn't have any housekeeping workers during those shifts. She told me that I should take someone with me because there was a man lurking around the dumpsters at night who tried to snatch girls. Every time he'd get reported and the cops were called, but the man was already long gone. I didn't really take her seriously, because I just thought she was trying to screw with me and scare me. I honestly didn't think that something like that could happen in my town. On the night in question, it was about 12.20, almost time for me to go home, and I volunteered to take out the trash so I could sneak a call to my boyfriend while I was out there. By this point, I'd completely forgotten what the aide had told me three months prior. I had my two barrels of trash with me and walked outside to the back parking lot to the dumpsters. I remember walking out into pitch black darkness because the light that wasn't normally that bright anyway 
was out at the moment. I was annoyed because that light had been out for over a week now and the repairman still hadn't fixed it. I turned on the flashlight of my phone and made my way to the dumpsters. I was emptying my second barrel when I began to hear footsteps. I assumed it was another aide from a different wing, bringing out their trash or coming out for a smoke break. No big deal. I finished what I was doing. When I turned around to start walking back towards the building, the light from my phone landed on a man standing only a few feet away from me. He looked to be about average height and was skinny with long, shaggy hair. He was just standing there, staring at me, hands in his pockets. I was so startled that I couldn't even talk. I wanted to ask him what he wanted with me, but I just couldn't find the words. I was quite literally frozen in fear. I then remembered what my coworker had told me three months ago. He slowly started walking towards me, hands still in his pockets, with this eerie smile on his face, and he didn't speak a word. I thought to myself that I needed to get out of there. I pushed my trash barrels towards him, which temporarily stopped him, and I began to run faster than I ever had in my life. I remember looking back as I was about to turn the corner of the building that led me to the back door, and I saw the outline of the man just standing there. I swear I could hear him laughing. I made my way back into the building, out of breath, shaking. I went back to my unit and told my coworkers what had just happened. They called the cops and once again, he wasn't there to be found. After this incident, they finally decided to install cameras out there and a better light. The man was seen maybe two or three times afterwards, but eventually he just stopped. I still wonder what he wanted. Was he trying to kidnap me like that other girl warned me about, or did he just want to scare me? Or was it something even darker, even worse? A part of me wants to know, and the rest of me doesn't. All I know now is that I never want to be out there by myself again. I think I should have listened in the first place. It's hard to keep an eye out for yourself and all of your family at the same time. But in a world where you can only trust those you've known for years and anyone can have anything in store for you, you need to be on your toes because it only takes seconds to lose someone. It takes years to love a person and only seconds to lose them. Always keep your loved ones close and safe. Good night. Would you mind clicking or tapping that like button and maybe share this video with your friends and family who might get a good spook out of it? Thank you. Remember, you can always send your stories to us via the links in the description. So stay safe out there and stay creepy.